The reading today is taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 25, to be found on the page in the Bibles on your screen. This is Paul speaking in his letter. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the, of, fle of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Right. <coughs> Good, excellent. Um, I was thinking over the last few days of the benefits of retirement, and one of the benefits I was reminded of this morning uh, was I don't have to iron shirts very often. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the other benefit I was focusing on because of the nature of the passage was to do with cooking. And uh, being retired, I've had more time to spend cooking, develop meals, and I've been particularly keen on adding more fruit and veg, herbs and spices um, to our household meals. Five is an arbitrary number, and I've tried to go beyond that, if I can, at every opportunity. And we even began to total up the weeks, um, fruit and veg, herbs and spices, the different ones that we had. Fortunately, I'm not um, a great fan of using social media because there would be a temptation then to put the scores on social media and sort of feel very virtuous and very proud, sort of self-affirmation, sort of, um, sort of um, self-proclamation of what I've achieved. But uh, I, I recommend more than five a day to you anyway, but uh, it's not the type of fruit we need to focus on in this service this morning, in this passage that's just been read. 
So we're considering the fruit of the Spirit. And in the passage that Graham just read, there are at least nine aspects of that fruit. Um, And having those in your life shouldn't make you pleased with yourself. They're not there to glorify you. They're there to glorify God because they're the work of the Spirit, to glorify the Father and the Son. So that's the context in which we're looking at the passage this morning. And let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, I think it's time to set some contexts about what we're doing, what we're about at the moment in the sermon series. This is the second in the series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Last week, Bart preached on John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16, and the title was The Spirit and New Birth. And in that service, we had an affirmation and two baptisms, and that was a symbol or a sign or trying to show us how, as Christians, we're born again through water and spirit. And when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And it was beautiful to see during... um, The baptism at the end, one of the prayers said, and I was looking for this obviously, it said, we pray that the fruit of the Spirit will grow in you, in those young people who just made that affirmation of faith, that they belonged to Christ, they had died in Christ, and they were resurrected in Christ, and now they are living for Christ. And they should expect the Spirit's fruits to emerge in their life. We sometimes call it sanctification or aspects of holiness. So this is the overall context of the passage we're looking at today, but I do want to put the passage into its context. Otherwise, we'd be a bit like one of these things. Excuse me a second, I brought visual aids today. We need to put the passage into context. As the passage was being read, I suspect a lot of you switched on to the list of the fruits of the Spirit, because we're very familiar with that. Um, We were given this mug a bit chipped now, sorry about that. Um, it's also a bit worn. It was given to us, Jane and I rather, uh, when, we were recently ma- when we were recently married, we were early on in our married life, and the person didn't attach a message to it, but I thought the message was, this is what they hoped would appear in our married life, just by focusing on these fruit, and they even gave you fruits to, against the actual the names given in the passage. But that's not what the passage is totally about. It's about something more. And if you look at your passage in Galatians, which we'll turn to, it's not just about fruit. It's about something else that stands against the fruit. It's putting our fruit against what's called the work of the flesh. There is a war going on in our lives as Christians. We need to be aware of that. It's a battle between the Surax and the Spirit. And in the passage, it's called the flesh. Now, before we move on, I just want to draw your attention to your excellent Bibles. They have a footnote A. Have a look at footnote A at the bottom of page 172. And it talks about what the Surax or the flesh is. It says, in context like this, the Greek word for flesh refers to the sinful nature of human beings. Now, last week in Bart's sermon, he talked about a heart of flesh. 
This is not the same word. The word for hearts of flesh in the Old Testament in the Hebrew means a living heart, not a heart of stone. So this is a different word. So please just be aware of that. We're talking about slightly different things in this passage. So the Galatian church has a problem. It's struggling with um, the flesh. When you become a Christian, there is what Tim Keller called the flesh, the partially intact flesh operating system within us. Our human nature continues to operate within us, but now it's in conflict with the spiritual nature we have by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And so the church in Galatia was in, the members' lives were full of conflict between these two forces, and the church therefore was displaying that as well. And Paul is concerned that the Galatians need to live by the spirit and less and conquer the flesh, crucify the flesh and show the fruit more clearly. And this is something that Paul himself has struggled with. He wrote about it in Romans. It's not unique to the Galatian church. It's not unique to Paul. It's, un- it's an experience that we all have as Christians. So the 15 acts of the flesh are outlined and the nine or so fruit of the spirit are also outlined in this passage. So, context established, let's turn to the fruits. And there are four questions I I sort of felt I needed to address on this passage in relation to the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Firstly, why does Paul use the image of fruit? What do the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit involve? How do we apply them as Christians to our lives? And then very briefly at the end, Paul talks about um, living by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit. What does that involve? What does that mean? Okay, let's look then at question one. Why does Paul use the image of fruit? Well, he's trying to use something botanical to help us understand something spiritual. Now, with fruit, and I'm not a gardener, so uh, I... I don't claim any great knowledge, but I believe fruit grow and fruit change. I think I'm safe in that. Um, We also, with fruit, we expect growth. And so when we become Christians and receive the Holy Spirit, we would expect to see spiritual growth in our lives. Just in the same way as you plant fruit, you expect growth. Okay. Now, very importantly, um, we are not saved by producing fruit nor are we saved by works. But if we are Christians, our faith should show fruit and we should seek to do works and work flowing from our faith. And that's going to be coming back to, we'll come back to that in James, I believe later in the, in the summer when we look at the letter of James. Fruit is um, something that grows. The growth is internal. It's organic. It can be gradual, it can also appear to be almost invisible, but it's happening, okay? Now, very importantly, if you look at your Bibles in Galatians, sometimes we say the fruits of the Spirit, but Paul writes singular, he writes fruits. And this seems to mean that he expects these nine things to happen together. It's like a crop, it's not do one, then the other, then the other. These are expected to be emerging and to be appearing in our lives at the same time. 
Now, I was thinking about this, and uh, I don't know if this is a very good image. I'm going to use a mechanical image to explain a, a botanical image, which is trying to talk about a spiritual truth. <clears throat> but here we go. Remember this? This was uh, put in its right order by my daughter-in-law last night as she was showing me different ways to do Rubik's Cubes. How many people can do Rubik's Cubes? Just a few, okay. My understanding is that uh, to do a Rubik's Cube, you don't just say, right, I'm gonna do the white, and I'm just, I'm, then I'll finish the white, that stays as it is, I then do the red, I then do the blue. To do the whole cube, things have to be constantly moving together until you get all the, all the parts in the right place. Am I correct on that, Rubik's Cube's experts? Thank you. All right, so as Christians, we don't say, well, let's do fruit one, fruit two, fruit three. Separately, they all come together. They, it's an organic process. It's happening together. And this is, this is quite mind-blowing. Nine things or nine aspects of our lives changing through the Holy Spirit, nine or more. And it reminded me of um, <clears throat> when I was a school teacher. One of the early lessons I learnt was when I was marking work, don't put nine improvements on a student's page at the end. I used to do that on coursework, and how many improvements did they make when they resubmitted? None. They got totally dismayed by the number of things I was asking them to do. And this, therefore, suggests if we try and do this on our own, we are going to struggle. This is something we're doing which is through the Spirit. It's supernatural. It's supernatural in its process. We, we start it, we cooperate with it, but the Holy Spirit helps us to complete it. So don't be put off by the enormity of what Paul says we should be seeing in our lives. So, what does each of the nine aspects involve I'm just going to go through them very briefly. Um, and can I encourage you to go away and meditate on these? Although it's one fruit, different aspects should be meditated on and should be prayed over. And we should seek to see these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It would be, um, sometimes it's called the nine graces and nine virtues, but it's, in a way it's developing a Christ-like character. We will resemble Christ more and more in our daily lives. So let's have a look at the fruit very briefly. I'll, I'll just give you brief outlines and we'll think about them and move on. So let's think about love. It's when we hold something in the highest and noblest form of love. It's, the word is agape, which seeks or sees something as infinitely precious. Okay? Agape, seeing something and loving it and seeing it as infinitely precious precious joy delighting in someone or something the Greek word peace to be untroubled in a state of well-being tranquility or calm forbearance which in some versions comes out as patience, as patience is being able to take action but refraining from doing so being able to do something but not doing it Waiting. Kindness. To have a sincere desire for the happiness and welfare of others. Goodness. 
to be honest, transparent, being the same in all situations. Faithfulness, to stick with someone or something. Gentleness, sometimes translated as meek, to be humble, not having a great sense of one's self-importance. Keller, Tim Keller says it's the act of self-forgetfulness, forgetting who you are in a conversational relationship, not trying to impose your status. And self-control. To be disciplined, to keep your impulses and desires in check. That is quite a list. And it is something that will only be achieved through the help of the Spirit supernaturally. I was, um, I'm always challenged by non-Christians and how often they appear to be more self-controlled than me, more good than me on the outside. But I suspect it's just one side of a Rubik's Cube that they're displaying to me. And also, what is the motivation behind being good, being self-controlled, being at peace? We have, we have the Holy Spirit. These are all coming together supernaturally, these nine graces, these nine Christian virtues. And the motivation for them is different. So these are a fine list, but they need to be applied. So how do we apply them to us? Now, they're all about attitudes and how we respond to others, how we become more Christ-like. And they can be applied this way, vertically, towards God, the Father, God, the Son. And some of them seem very obvious. Um, They're there to help our vertical relationship with God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. Ones like love, God loved us and we love God in response. There could be joy, we delight in God and all that he is and all that he has done. There could be peace, that we have a peace which passes all understanding. So those um, those fruits that come into our lives appear to be very much um, going upwards. And there are those that are sometimes called horizontal fruit. They inform how we behave to each other and in particular members of the church and the ones that seem to fit that most easily, most uh, straightforwardly are kindness, goodness, gentleness, those types of ones seem to be ones where they will improve and change our relationships with each other. So that's often how it's, it's interpreted, but some, some writers say, well, maybe, yes, there are vertical and horizontal applications, but the Galatians passage can apply, all of them can apply horizontally. And if you turn with me back to Galatians 5 and the start of the section that wasn't read, Galatians 5, 13 to 15, which I'll read to you. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command. Love one another. Watch out or you will will be destroyed by each other. So we can apply love, we can apply joy, we can apply peace. All the ones that obviously have an obvious vertical impact on our Christian lives, we can also apply them horizontally to other Christians around us. And this is a challenge because I can develop the fruit of the Spirit vertically in private, but this 
horizontal stuff is in public. This is out of our comfort zones. We've got to do this amongst other Christians and amongst the wider world. It's a, it's a public activity, and it's an incredible challenge. And I, unsurprisingly, have been challenged by this during the week I've been preparing this, uh, this sermon. I just want to share three of them in particular that I felt challenged by, three of the fruits that uh, I've meditated on myself, and I hope you will meditate on all of them um, following the, uh, the service today. So, joy, horizontally. Do I bring joy to other Christians? Do I take joy in the Lord doing things in other Christians' lives? Do I rejoice in those things? Am I, am I joyful or am I a morose person sometimes? Or am I joyful? Do I bring joy to others? And do I rejoice in others, um, things that God has done for them? Gentleness. Do I relate to others without expressing any sense of self-importance? Do I forget myself in a good way and don't feel that I'm more important or I have a right to do this or to say this to this person? Goodness. Am I transparent in my approach to others? Am I the same in every situation? Am I the same Monday and Sunday? Or do I behave differently? Am I inconsistent with people? If we take these and we seek to have them grow in our lives, what a witness the church can be. We just gotta get the people to see us showing these fruit in our lives and how we relate to each other as well as how we relate to God. What a, what a witness we will be if we can show these supernatural things in our lives and show that we're different, that we're not just good people, we put on a good face, but the rest of it is very mixed up, it's not changing. What a witness we would be. So I promised very briefly to um, look at these things. In the, less, in the letter, Paul talks about living by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And it's a bit of how this, this fruit appears. Living by the Spirit is um, saying something is actively going on. We are purposeful. We are seeking to live the Spirit's way and not the flesh's way. Being led by the Spirit is allowing God through the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. And keeping in step with the Spirit is, again, it's being purposeful. We're walking in the way the Spirit has set out for us and we're cooperating with the Spirit to do God's will and show Christ in our lives. So lots to think about. If we think about them and pray through them, hopefully we will see the growth in our lives and we will show Christ to each other and to the world around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes to us when we turn to you, when we become Christians. We thank you that this is not a work on our own, that we are empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit directs our paths and we work to see the kingdom proclaimed, Christ proclaimed around us. And we seek to grow as a, as a body of believers that will be a witness to you on earth. Help us to go away and think about these, these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. They are really challenging. They should, they should be part of our daily life. They should grow in us. They should, uh, they should be there. We should be expecting them. And we should be praying for them each day. We do ask all this in Jesus' name.
Amen.